Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at Anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Yo, we back. Yo, we are back in town. How is everybody? I'm doing good. I don't know. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. How, how about the first two trades of interim GM Tommy Fitzgerald's career? Pretty good ones, I would say. What do you think? I think it's a breath of fresh air, not just figuratively. I'm literally outside in beautiful Asbury Park, New Jersey. And it's a breath of fresh air, literally, because we're moving on from the older generation to the younger generation of uh, Devils prospects and players. I mean, uh, I remember over a year ago, I was writing notes about Nolan Foote and the possibility of the Devils getting him. Uh, I'm sad to see Blake Coleman go, but we talked about how much of a John Madden he is. But I'm really excited about the pick that we got in a possible 2020 first or 2021 first, depending on how Vancouver does. But they'll likely get playoff spot. Yeah, I think Vancouver will get a playoff spot. So for people who live under a rock or have no idea what we're talking about right now, the Devils made two trades yesterday. One came early afternoon. Andy Green. Veteran defenseman Andy Green, as you all know how much I love Andy Green, was traded to the New York Islanders. Everybody scratches their head. Islanders, no, it makes sense. Lamorello's there. <laughs> Guy signed him, undrafted free agent. For a second-round pick in this year's draft and defenseman David Quinville. <coughs> Decent return for Green. Then, this is where the day got kind of strange and really interesting because Renault Lavoie of... TVA Sports had Coleman traded to Colorado right before the game started last night. Devils refused to report that Coleman was traded. However, speaking with some people, Coleman was not in the building. He was a healthy scratch for precautionary reasons. 
and I was told that he was going to get traded anyway. I'm like, okay. Hmm. Start of the game, he goes to Tampa Bay for Vancouver's first-round pick, which Tampa Bay got in the JT Miller trade, and Nolan Foote. That's a great return. And Coleman sets the market for guy for a guy like Thomas Tatar out of the Montreal Canadiens. I believe that'll make a lot more GMs' jobs easier to find a foundation work to get a return on investment like a guy on Blake Coleman and other players like Chris Kreider will want to fetch similar return on investment for their uh, former teams. But um, I spoke to uh, Steve Corniano's uh, – via digital uh, message. Uh, so I asked him, the question was, Steve, can you tell me exactly uh, who Nolan Foot uh, Bear resembles skill-wise and ceiling-wise? He goes, he's a lefty shot, but a little bit of Mark Stone and a little bit of Dustin Brown. Physical power winger with an excellent shot and soft hands. So. Amazing. I mean, if this kid becomes Dustin Brown or Mark Stone, I'll be happy with it. I mean, granted, you and I both knew that we were going uh, – he was going to be a good player because we both watched World Juniors. So we both saw Nolan Foote play with Team Canada. And, I mean, he, I love the way he played the game for Canada. But <coughs> it, it, it's interesting because – it's interesting to see the lightning to get a guy like Coleman, right? Because the reports were Boston, Colorado. And, and but – it does make sense because Coleman has one year left at $1.8 million. That's a cheap contract for a guy like that. And Tampa knows now what it takes to win because they've been through the adversity. The season's been a little slow. They got swept out of playoffs last year. They're figuring out ways to be more defensive. You know, and you can bring a guy like Coleman. Like we said, he's a John Madden type player. He could be out there penalty kill. Really good five-on-five. Great defensive forward. And you gotta wonder where he slots in now, even with the injuries um, that Tampa Bay has. I mean, Kucherov's back, so. But and I mean, he's not gonna see top six minutes like he did with the Devils. But he's a, definitely he, a good role player for the Lightning. I was gonna say he's in that top nine, and if someone's not performing right, he could step up to the second line and perform. And who knows if they really like him so much, and someone screws up on the first line. You know, he can net a lot of points playing with Stamkos. And, I mean, it sounds like, you know, a pipe dream, but really a guy like him who plays with a lot of grit and determination. I know the Devils lose a guy that does all the small intangibles, but you're getting a guy in Nolan Foot who's a big power forward, gritty. He has a shot that is super sneaky, and it is a heavy shot that comes in on goaltenders and – I was listening to Hockey Canada. Uh, their goalie coach was just talking about how how hard of a shot it comes in on, a, like a bowling ball. So that is a good sign to hear, and it's a great sign to see how he can do playing with Joe Valeno and Alexi Lafreniere. And Lafreniere being this year's census number one. Oh, will absolutely. absolutely. That absolutely, absolutely. raises stock. So I am absolutely for this trade right here. I'm not against it. For those oh. who are against it, what are you smoking? Look, I mean, if anybody – now, and, and you read the piece, and I put it out there, Devil's Community had their um, 
you know, have read it, had mixed reviews, liked it. Some guys liked it. Some guys thought I was smoking crack. But in my devil's face <laughs> strategy, I had Blake Coleman down as a guy, if the devils were going to blow it up, to get rid of this, his stock this is the has right never move. been higher. And yesterday's return on investment, I was right. His stock has never been higher. Now, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see what the Devils are going to do because where I'm getting is everybody's t- – the only three that are untouchable are um, Keyshear, Hughes, and Blackwood. Granted, um, GM Tom Fitzgerald said Travis Ajax going nowhere yesterday after the game. But if the price is right, the Devils might be able to get his Ajax to move his no-trade clause. But you know what? I would, Hey, if you got one year left, you want to let him ride it out. Let him ride out into the sunset. That's fine. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Palmieri. The problem is how many teams can actually – pick up a guy like that. If they're going to really build around Hughes and Heashear, does it really make sense to keep Palmieri around? I think it does. He, he's a Jersey boy. He fits well with this team. I, I just you, – you can't go too young because you need veteran presence there to help a young team. Remember, the Oilers were all those young players. They didn't have any veterans there, and now they do, and they understand the game. So I think if you have, like, a guy like Palmieri there, even a guy like Simmons, it would be good. I mean, could Simmons go? Yes. Vaughn is most likely the next guy to go, especially teams need defense. I mean, the return. If you got you got a second-round pick and a, and a prospect for Andy Green. Honestly, a second-round pick in either draft is like a pot of gold for me. Just thinking about it, I would have accepted a fourth, at, I mean, at worst. I mean, that's above my face value, and you get a ECL, ACHL guy who's probably playing with the Binghamton Devils trying to replace uh, Colton White, who's up on the big club. And, you know, you had to do a paper move before, and then you got a guy who's a paper move in, like, Nick Merkley, who's performing the past two games playing a really solid bottom six pairing minute. And – just to see how this team came back in a game where the Blue Jackets usually would bury us in like a 5 nothing win. I mean, well, the turning point was the first period when they couldn't get that third goal to make go up 3 nothing. because if they didn't, if they had scored there, the game's probably over. But they have shown a lot of fight since Tommy Fitzgerald's taken over. And it's- I believe that... This team is showing a lot of resilience under him and Nazardine. Yes, I, I like the way Fitzgerald and, and Nazardine, especially Nazardine, I really like what they're doing. It's going to be um, going to be interesting to see what they do because, you know, word is that they're not done and they're going to be really active. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Now, my real question <clears throat> is, is what <laughs> – it goes back to this whole Shiro thing, right? So they they make the trade for they trade Hall, right? So we've gone through that, but then we get rid of them. It was it because we wanted to go in a completely different direction on a rebuild. Because if that's the case, did you not want Shiro doing it? Or no, or it's 
it's it's like all right, we're getting mixed signals here. We want to be competitive, yeah, we're turning tearing it down. Oh, but wait, you know, we're still going to put a competitive hockey team on the ice. Okay, so which is it? Because you just if you mm-hmm. want to put a competitive team on ice, then why trade away a guy like Blake Coleman? So it, it's a lot of reading between the lines for me. <coughs> um, the big thing I'm liking is seeing the young guys perform, and it goes back to development. And it goes back to AHL and, you know, Merkley been in there for a while. And, you know, Joey Anderson, I like what he's bringing. He's going to be a star. Absolutely. I mean, look, those guys played well together down there. And speaking of a guy who was with the team, is down in Binghamton right now, Jesper Volquist, he's got four goals in the last two games. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for guys that are developing. And you know my feeling about this. I talked to, you know, I was texting with Alex a little bit. I wish there was a way for Hughes to have been able to go down there for a bit of time to just to get adjusted to playing this style because it would have done him wonders too. I absolutely believe like the way the team is starting to develop the other guys in the system, it really shows that, you know, Fitzy's got a lot of patience and he's not backing down from his principles and having those guys get, more seasoning kind of like uh, like a nice dry rub on on a nice slab of ribs right now and yeah, oh yeah, I believe absolutely. I believe it's starting to pay off and you allowing the you allowing these guys to cook for a lot longer and they're starting to soak in the flavors and the juices I know I'm making some people hungry because this well, team is starting to build I mean, yeah. you got to be thinking of food <laughs> well that that's another point but also uh I spoke with my brother-in-law uh, on my father's side, uh, Danny Bouchard, who listens to the podcast in Connecticut. He runs yeah, DK's out. Hockey. So he played at Babson University, uh, Babson College, rather, as a goaltender with Pierre Maguire. And he wrote out on our group on Facebook, goes, Joe, I played with Fitzy on Team Mass in 1985. Great hockey guy, tough as nails. Play the game the right way. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, but Abby Mastrocco followed up. Uh, he had a reputation of being tough as nails. I've heard that, too. And I thought he was pretty blunt and honest, but infor- very informative. I think fans will come to appreciate that if the interim tag gets taken off. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the interim tag gets taken <laughs> off. I'm not surprised by that at all. Uh, speaking of, I, I got on the television right now, the telly, uh, the battle of former teammates, uh, Taylor Hall and Andy Green. Uh, Andy oh. Green's first game is a New York Islander in Arizona right now. So, I wrote, I sent you the two things, the two trade things um, before, um, and I made a great comparison, and I wanted to, to see your thoughts. I'm going to go um, to Green right now, talking about Green. And, you know, people, you know, don't take the criticism of Green as as, a, as something like, I didn't like him. It's not like I didn't like him. It's the fact that you could see that as he got older, his play diminished. Yeah, he blocked shots in eight minutes. Yeah, on a team that wasn't that good. And you could see when certain goals went in, he was on the ice, he wasn't reading the play. He was in the wrong positionally. But the thing is, is, he goes to a team like the Islanders, right? And 
he's like a Ron Hainsley, right? He's a veteran. He, the Islanders are a young group. He can, you know, show these kids how, what it takes to make the playoffs because Green's been to the Stanley Cup final with the Devils 2012. But he can be slotted in a place where he can be protected. It's not like he's going to have to play the same amount of minutes every night for the Islanders because they have those young kids there. Because you have guys like Ryan Pulak getting those big minutes. Well, he's um, playing with Pulak today. So the, there you go. You have a guy that is younger than him who can take up more of the energy and Green can focus on being a little bit less of a stay-at-home defenseman and pinch a little bit, but he's got to be a little bit careful when he does pinch. It kind of would make a mismatch for the yeah. Islanders, which – um, is one of my biggest gripes if I was buying a guy like Andy Green. So, but you, you got, you know, two really good defensive parries for the Islanders. And that just makes Andy Green's job less of a hassle than when he used to pair on the top line with PK. Nothing against PK. It's just you have one guy who's going to overcommit on the offense and one guy is going to overcommit on the, on the defensive defensive side. So yeah. I I just believe the chemistry is better on the Islanders front for him. And I believe the Devils yesterday, I know it's a little far-fetched to have Mirko Mueller playing top-line minutes, but he's absolutely doing just fine. But it, it, it goes to show that even in a short amount of time, they're able to hold the fort. Oh, I mean, I've, and look, you got a guy like Blackwood back there is like, Backstop and everything. I mean, what? How many shots did he have yesterday? 50, like fifty-four, fifty-four, something like that. Fifty-four, fifty-one. I mean, he's a beast. I mean, look, the problem is they do need to get a suitable backup for him because the guy can't play the rest of the season. But um, that's that's another topic for another day. But yeah. I, I like what Fitzgerald got because he said this even in his press conference yesterday, and this is what I'm <laughs> trying to get in in the uh, trying to remember from last night is. Remember, Devils fans, how the Devils got Kyle Palmer and Marcus Johansson? They used other team picks that they acquired. That's what Fitz said he was going to look to do in the future, too. He says he wants to acquire assets that can help this team as well by using the assets that they got. Because why would you, if you the Devils have what, how many first round draft picks? Four or five? They have. If, if, if Vancouver makes it, the Devils will have three in the first round in this year's draft, which I believe will occur because yeah, Vancouver's second, yeah, and they're and they're like one one point behind first place in the Pacific. So, and they're th- and they're three points of margin above the two wild card teams. So they're in good di- they're in fair distance of clinching. But it's a little while off, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Canucks make a trade that would help benefit the Devils in the short term, getting that first, over, that really good first round pick somewhere in the fifth, in the 16th through 20s, or yeah. something like that. You know, it would help. Here, here's my take: you you have a t- a top five pick, the Devils own that they use. Yeah, they have I'm, their own. Well. Let's, I mean, if you look at it, the Devils have their own top five pick, which they'll probably get this year for because they suck. Like, 
they're straight up. They're not good. They're probably finished lottery, all that stuff. So they, that's one. They got one for the Coyotes. That's two. <coughs> and then you have, and then you have that possible 2020 first, and then you got that 2021 second round pick, and your 2021 first. You can use as ammunition in an upcoming trade, and I can foresee a trade with that 2021 second trying to move up to get another first or another second in the 2020 draft. And, or you can try trade for a guy like a Matt Dumba or a Brodeen or whoever seems to be worth of the value at the time. So I do believe there's a lot of flexibility with those near-term assets, but here's what I'm thinking draft wise right now. This is like my mock draft. I have the devils looking at, Getting Jamie Drysdale in the top five. Love him. Love Jamie Drysdale. I'm Ab- totally absolute fan. Big fan. He's the best defenseman in this year's draft for a reason. He can play top pairing minutes. He can skate very well. He can shoot. He he knows how to play his own zone. I mean, he, all, he played with Team Canada this year, so. Played with Kevin Ball. Played with Ty Smith. And he's played with Nolan Foot, so you, and, may, and maybe if the Devils get lucky again, they get Byfield or they get La, Lafreniere. But at this point, it's Drysdale for my first uh, choice, and then you have my second choice would be Jake Sanderson, a big-bodied left shot of a defenseman who can really be a shutdown guy, and he's working on his offensive game from the U.S. Uh, HL, and he can well, – actually, USNTDB, sorry, but he's go, he's committed to North Dakota. So that's a guy who could really bring an edge, and his father played in the, in the big leagues too. But I see a lot of upside in him if the Devils can pick at between 9 and 14 with that pick. Um, my third pick may be a little bit – uh, far-fetched, but I love this winger center in Antonio Strange, who plays with Connor McMichael of the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League, and or you could get Maverick Bork, or maybe uh, you get a uh, what's his name Ryan O'Rourke from the uh, yep. Sioux, of the Sioux uh, uh, Greyhounds, and I think. A guy like him who's big, tall, mobile, or you get Caden uh, Gould, another big guy, left-handed shot, mobile, can score. Uh, those guys look very good in the, uh, in the CHL top prospects game. And these aren't like the big, tall, physical guys from the 90s and 80s where they're not mobile, but these guys are big and mobile, and they can score. Yeah, that's the that's the difference in this year's draft class versus other defensemen in other draft classes. I mean, look, and say you add, say you have a guy like, um, say you got a guy like Drysdale, right? Then you got Ball, you have Smith. That's three guys coming into camp that have all have legit shots to make the team. 
Like, not to mention the guys that are playing for Binghamton, which is good to have a healthy competition. And I believe when we have that internal competition and it's all about having the scouting staff that Tommy Fitzgerald believes in and trusts. And you can most certainly use those guys to raise the internal level of competition and not be so dependent on a possible free agent signing. And I, for one, certainly believe that it's not a drafting problem. It's a developing situation that they got to capitalize on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to, you have to keep retooling and, and uh, keep building that system up because they have a lot of good pieces in place right now. And look, I understand fans are upset that guy like Coleman is gone um, and even the captain, but you got to look at it this way. You're getting better. In the long run, it might not seem that like it right away, but it, you are getting better. I mean, I understand, like, you want to keep them around, but remember, as somebody pointed out on Twitter, remember when there was all this outrage that Blake Coleman actually make, made this team all those years ago? Like, he's turned into a solid player, and it's not like the Devils can't resign him when he becomes a free agent. I mean, he could come back. You never know. Um, it's, it's, he's it, it, so well guys have come back it's not like guys have never come back like I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like a Henrique returned or a guy like Coleman would return I mean they love playing in Jersey it's just that you know sometimes the situation doesn't quite suit itself and I believe that you know anytime that a player seems you know uncomfortable in a situation to trying to return you know, it's for a good reason. Like when Lou Lamorello reacquired Claude Lemieux and uh, Jason Arnott, they they were picked at the right time to come in because the Devils were in a playoff spot and they believed Lemieux would be clutching the playoffs and they believed that Arnott would help them win in 2000 during that time. So there, I would be surprised if someone like a Fitzgerald – or whoever the GM is, and they believe in getting a guy that knows the, the team and the culture would help this team in the nearer term that makes a playoffs. So you, you you never rule those out. You don't. You can't rule it out. Um, you can't rule a guy's ever coming back. There's no such thing as, you know, I mean, look, Claude Lemieux left, and then he returned. Um, so, and he was an integral part of two Stanley Cups. Um, you know, the Devils got rid of Peter Sikora, you know, before they won the Cup in 2003. And they and then, brought him back in 2011 for the 2011-2012 season. Yeah, so it's not like guys don't come back. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah, it's always tough, but like you, like I've been saying all along, his, his market value, if he was a stock, and you say buy low, sell high, his stock was never going to be any higher than it was. He was on pace to break all his records, points, goals, assists. So why not pull the trigger if there's a if there's a team calling? I mean, Fitzgerald said yesterday, it's not like he was looking to trade Coleman. He actually didn't want to. But teams kept calling and were interested in him. And it developed into something. And they ended up pulling the trigger on the best deal. 
And uh, you know, it's it's a great point that you point out there that you know you never want to get too attached to a bunch of players, and then you know your feelings get hurt. But at the same time, Jesper Bratt said yesterday in the post game interview that you know they work on going forward and you know not thinking about like getting too close to the situation. They just know it's a business and they want to improve upon each game and, you know, be professional and move, move forward. Right. And that's what you have to be. I mean, look, the team had to be professional, move forward once Taylor Hall left. Like, sorry, I hate to say it, but that's what happened. They did. They had a, they had to move on and they got to move on again. And they, they, they played a pretty decent game for um for not having Green and Coleman in the game. Like I've said for the past few seasons, I'm not sure if you remember me talking about it, but someday they're going to have to move on from Andy Green. And no no offense to Andy Green. I I just I just felt it it was time had expired with him and early in the year I felt Colton White should have been on the team and I don't get a little emotional, but he absolutely played pretty well yesterday. I mean, you know, he's learning at the big league level now, and he's started to be a mobile left shot and being a better well-positioned defenseman than his former teammate, Nandy Green. I just felt, you know, this this team, you know, has some holes with certain players who have come and gone or demoted or whatever, you know, it's the right direction. We're just not in the perfect spot yet. No, I agree. Like, you know, it's it stinks that guys like that got to go, but, you know, it's part of the business. Like, hockey's a business. You got to make yourself better in the long run. And this team will be competitive again. And they got to be doing it the right way. You can find a Coleman. You can find another Coleman. That's – it's the guys like Hughes and Heesher that are going to have a problem, you know, they ever left, and now and it's and it's poetic that I you know I wrote a couple of weeks ago about how this is Nico Heischer's team now once Hall left, and it's truly going to be Nico Heischer's team because I I do have you know I honestly say I have a credible person telling me that most likely Heischer going to be next captain of Devil. I like, absolutely approve of our source uh, because you see that Nico took on that new seven-year contract extension before, you know, the season barely begun. Like, it was like a month or two in. I mean, he wants to be here for a reason. He's when, – when you watch him skate up the ice with that power move, you know, even in overtime, he is going like it's a game seven in the, in the Stanley Cup finals. He, he pretends it's that type of game, and he wants – this team to win as many games as possible under his watch, especially yeah. a Swiss watch. So come to think about it, I if if I had to put money down, it's on Nico Heischer as captain. Uh, I honestly believe that I wouldn't be surprised to see Jesper Bratt around and Nolan Foote makes the team next year because you can put Nolan Foote a big, tall left shot uh, on or around Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, and you could have extra ammo and size 
And also for our listeners about Nolan Foot, he also plays a similar power and net front presence game, just like fellow New Jersey boy from Middletown, New Jersey, James Van Riemsdyk. So don't be afraid of watching him make those high danger scoring chances on rebounds and redirects. And he does score from mid danger. So he does have a really heavy shot and he is a, and, a really fast guy. And, and I believe that next year will be his first professional year. And even if he doesn't make the team, I think he's eligible to go to Binghamton. He's currently 19 years old and November is his birth month. So uh, he'll be 20 in the middle of the beginning of the yeah, season. But he'll be, but he'll be eligible to go. At, at a point in the season. <clears throat> yeah, I honestly yeah. believe that having another year of WHL hockey would just wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be a bad thing. It won't be a bad thing. I just don't think it will serve him enough as putting him in the AHL where he could learn and play a more professional game. No offense yeah. to any of the CHL divisions, but I believe – if you want to bring in a guy, but you don't want to rush him to the NHL level, you got to stick him in the AHL. Kind of like how early in the year we were talking about how people like Ty Smith should be playing in the AHL if they can't be in the NHL. Yeah, I think that I think that, that that's something that probably should be revisited because maybe guys are too too good for uh, their juniors, but not enough to me. Mm-hmm the NHL just yet. But definitely uh, with upcoming trades, I'm predicting, you know, Wayne Simmons gets traded for a fourth round pick and, and a and a medium low level prospect. Well, it'll be interesting because I know he's been tied to, to Vancouver. And if they don't like what they're getting from what the diagnosis is on Furland, then the Canucks will be, the option for Simmons. If not, I don't know if anybody takes a run at him. Um, you know, I think, you know, you, you have to look at, you know, uh, Avotanen, got to look at, remember, I put Blake Coleman down fourth on guys with contract, with players with term left, and, you know, Miles Wood is there still. Um, I guess, and Paul Mary. <laughs> You know, guys like that. I mean, what about a guy like the Ming, you know, a Rooney? Could those guys fetch you something? Maybe they could just use and flip around. And, and, you know, it was funny because um, so yesterday after the green trade happened, Arthur Staple puts a tweet out that says green to Arizona. People are like, everybody's like, oh, they flipped them to Coyotes. And he's like, no, he's on his way to Arizona. Yeah. Like, the team like he they didn't flip him that quickly no and and i don't know if lou would get rid of him i mean just like that but i mean look it's interesting because you know looking at um so you know you sent me sarah valley's new trade bait you know trade bait board and it's got you know you know Kreider obviously to foley botten in um is up, you know, Kovalchuk's on there, Palmieri's nine, and, and <laughs> Vontanen's two for his, for his guys. So, 
and his trade bait board, and then Simmons is down in the 20s. So, I mean, look, that's three devils right there. And it'd be interesting to see if those, you know, if one, two, or maybe all three go. And honestly, I believe that the more assets the Devils rack up from picks and players, they're going to do so much better. Like, even if they don't get, uh, what was his name, Sanderson in the mi- in the middle of the uh, early mid part of the first round, Jack Quinn is another player that you got to revisit. Maybe Alexander Holtz, maybe Lucas Raymond, maybe another guy. Yeah, yeah maybe. I love Holtz. I love Raymond. Both those guys are unbelievable for Sweden. Those guys are awesome. And you know what? Marco Rossi, like, I know he's another center, but you can never have enough centers. I mean, think about Zajac's future. Uh, he's likely – Well, I mean, that was – and that was the great thing about Coleman. He could play center or wing. And it's and it's good to have those kind of problems, especially when you recoup these assets and get more assets to use. And I know I kind of repeating myself from earlier in the show, but at the same time, you can never have enough assets to utilize for drafting player management. And then when you pick the right guys that you and the scouts like, and Tommy Fitzgerald said yesterday that when he was uh, with Ray Shiro as his right-hand man, he knew once the uh, lottery ball selected the Devils to get first overall. They knew they were picking Jack Hughes. There was no doubt in their mind they were going to pick Jack Hughes. So it goes to show that the Devils, uh, with the directors of amateur scouting, like Gates Orlando now in his first draft year uh, as the DOA, replacing Castron, and Castron is his boss, uh, I can see you know, if the Devils do very well, with Fitzgerald keeping eye to eye, most of the, the, the internal scouting staff will stay and they'll likely make a few improvements. Right. So, yeah, you need to have those guys that bring that leadership, the guidance in every region of the hockey world. And you know that the future is a lot brighter but it's not quite green yet. I don't know we're not talking about Dublin, Ireland, but certainly the the grass is going to be much better once we reach the pot of gold. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's going to be solid. And I was just funny. It's, looking, it's always cool to see. Uh, um, it's always funny to see, like, certain things on a trade bait board. Like, you have Carolina's first-round picks, and then you have Detroit's cap space. Like, Detroit's cap space is 20. That's funny. But, I mean, look, you had, you already had, you already had Zucker traded, you had Clifford traded, Kachenyak traded, and I think Coleman was on his board before, but Coleman's been traded. So, it's interesting to see what, you know, what what direction the Devils are going to go in now. So, I just saw this on Twitter just now. Uh, Steve Cardiano's put a scouting report on Jake Sanderson, who I mentioned earlier in the show. He goes, uh, the top American-born defenseman for the 2020 draft and possibly the first one to be selected after Jamie Drysdale, Sanderson is the straw that stirs the drink for this year's NTDP. He's a plus-plus player in multiple areas, 
And Sanderson is one of the few draft-eligible defenders who can outshine the most impressive of forwards when it comes to puck control, decision-making, and generating offense inside the opposing end. And he says about his puck skills, Sanderson is a clean and skilled puck carrier with soft hands who can be counted on to break out of his end in several ways. The puck seems to remain settled for him regardless of speed and even sharp edges in direction don't hinder his ability to stay in complete control. His shot in, is, a wep- is a primary weapon in his arsenal, and Sanderson has proven to be a score via the slap shot or wrister from anywhere between the circles and the point. One area where Sanderson doesn't get enough credit for his, is his passing from forehand or back. He is more than capable at luring opponents away from the weak side before exploiting the gap with a no-look or backhand pass across the seam. He's not a classic power play quarterback in the classic sense, but he does man the left point on the lead power play unit and executes precision plays off face-offs. I mean, look at that. I mean, great, great, solid player. That's a great scouting report. And I don't know if we mentioned it before, but, like, not to mention Ball and Smith and, you know, guys like that. But, you know, Riley Walsh is going to be back there. He's had another year under his belt playing in college hockey. So, I mean, it's crazy. You know, the Devils, they, they're loading up. They got they got the prospects. It's putting it together on the ice. It, they're getting better. Um, I do believe they're going to need some veteran leadership in there. But it, but it is it, – it's the way it's going to be, like, they're going to add pieces. They're not going to just keep subtracting. And I think they're going to be flipping some of the things that they have to get some – that players can play now, maybe teams that are cap casualties, um, stuff like that. So um, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be very interesting. And, of course, uh, I can confirm on Wednesday that – uh, Duncan Field will come back for part two. We'll hit up a little bit on the 2019 and 2020 drafts. And also with the recent trades, we will hit on other players in the 2020 draft. So if you're available that day after 3 p.m., uh, we can hit on those and get and touch on more things because uh, Duncan just uh, saw the uh, Mississauga uh, Erie Otters game. Uh, in Mississauga because he's he's from Ontario, so he just he just uh, wanted to cover that game today. Nice. So we can hit more on that, and of course we could hit on those prospects. And I honestly believe that you know the Devils are in great shape. And I know I said it last year, but I didn't say it on the podcast. But they're looking more improved. I do see that there will be weaknesses addressed on defense and it will probably not just come through the draft, but it'll probably come through a trade. So that's where I think that 2021 second round pick comes in handy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, they, they're, they're putting a nice prospect pool together right now. They really are. And, you know, people weren't high on Nick Merkley. Well, he proved his worth down in Binghamton. 
comes in, gets a, an assist in his first game, gets first NHL goal in his second game. He's driving the net. He's a nice net front presence, too. He's a hard-nosed player. Um, you know, Joey Anderson, we touched on before. Jesper Volquist, he's going to come along. I mean, there's going to be guys fighting for spots with guys that are, you know, just doing the same old, same old. Like, I hate to say it, but a guy like Miles Wood, does he take a step back? Like, they move him because they know they have guys in there that want to play. That's going to be one thing about Miles Wood is, is, is he going to step, is he going to step up next season or will he step up now for next season and try and keep that job? Because right. he, he probably knows that he could be traded at any moment. Um, Per the Binghamton Devils, Bokvist Tusini scored eight at nine minutes yeah, I mean, ago. There's another guy, Brassini. I mean, I mean, is he an NHL you know player? Or is he just a minor league player? I mean, you know, if you look at the um, see if I can pull it up real quick. I honestly like Sini. He just needs a another guy on his wing who can be a little bit taller, physical, and more mobile. Yeah. On, on his side, but I really like the way he plays with speed. He plays with grit and determination, and he could be a really good takeaway guy. I mean, he's like an American Datsuk that just needs a little bit more seasoning and needs a little bit of a, a chemistry with another player. And that's what you use when you have guys like a Mikhail Maltsev, who, who are There's another guy, Maltsev. And Maltev, I know I, I've touched on a lot early in the year. I know he's been a, not a project, but he's been a guy that you just kind of fine-tuned. Yeah, okay. So, you know, we're looking at that roster, right? So you got, you know, obviously Jill Sengoli. I mean, so, you know, Josh Jacobs is down there. You got Sini. We talked about McLeod's down there. Fabian... Uh, Zetterlin, Mikhail Malsev, I mean, Nathan Bastian, Jesper Bokut. I mean, those guys are going to be fighting for spots. And it's got to imagine. And, you know, it's great to see that the past several drafts, the Devils been able to go to Russia and Sweden and Finland, as well as other parts of North America and Europe to help build up that pipeline. And who knows if a dark horse like, uh, what's his name? Uh, think of the Swedish kid that we have. Uh, Fabian Zetterlund comes out yeah. and he starts to shine and try and perform in camp and show that he can come out next camp and in the middle of death camp this summer show that he can be a mainstay and may, and get somebody moved and we get a really good return for maybe a defenseman. Yeah. So I honestly believe that you know there's so much there's so much of a good problem that we have on our hands as as fans, podcasters, contributors, writers. This this is something that you know if a team like Boston wants to make a move with New Jersey, you know there's going to be a guy like Mac Grizzlick who could be traded, you know, because Boston might want to make cap space and the devils have a ton of cap space to acquire a player and then pay a player 
for the next couple of seasons or get an RFA that's got a lot of upside. I'm talking about you, Kasperi Kapanen. We might go after you as a forward. I mean, I like Kapanen. He's a good player. But uh, what what is the asking prices? Because I know he's not as high on the trade list, but he's probably a little bit higher than Wayne Simmons at this point. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, it depends, really. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. Um, it's going to be interesting. And it's just, it, there's just a lot. It's a busy time of year because the deadline is a week from today. I mean, no, I mean, I'll be honest. I'll be at work, but I ain't doing crap. I'll have trade center on <laughs> all day. I might take a day off. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, you'll Bro. be you'll be you'll be reporting the next day. Well, I'll, I'll be reporting the same day, but um, I'll be there. But the next day, I actually get work done. But so it's crazy. So to this morning, I got an email from the IHF. And so I have my media credential for um, well, Switzerland World Championships. So which, I'll be there in May. Which World Championships? Double IHF World Championships for 2020. Oh, where where is that going to be exactly? Zurich. Uh-oh. You're going to have some Swiss francs in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Give me that money, money. It, it's a little bit worth higher than the U.S. dollar. But I will tell you, if you get some nice Swiss chocolate, you wouldn't regret it. No, I mean, and, and you know, just you know, just I know we're talking Devils podcast, but I'll be in the arena where mostly Team USA plays. Canada's like um, on the other side, um, and it's actually going to be you know, there's a lot of good games um, that are going to be happening in Zurich. Plus, there's some downtime. Plus, it'll be playoff time, so there'll be a lot going on. Plus, uh, but you know, I was going to say plus yeah. Nico Heischer and maybe. Jill Sen and Akira Schmid. Yeah, Nico. Nico could be over there playing for Switzerland, <laughs> most likely. So good to, it'd be good to bump into him. Um, Maybe Mirko Muller might get a little time over there. You never. Yeah, you never know. You, you never know who's going to be over there. You, you you might have to hang out with four devils that you might have to share a room with. <laughs> That's all right. I wouldn't mind sharing a room with with those four devils. But <laughs> it's you know it's it's a good start to the season for the Devils. Um, you know, for trade wise, I think they did they did as best as they're gonna get. I definitely think they did better with these two trades than they did in the Hall trade. Um, you know, and I think I think teams are gonna be looking to add with Pittsburgh adding Zucker, with Tampa Bay adding Coleman. Look for Boston to add somebody. Colorado is gonna be looking for somebody. It's going to just be interesting to see what prices are going to be paid. Be interesting to see what the Canadians do too, because a guy like Tatar, maybe a guy like Kovalchuk, do they swing him or do they try to resign him? It's just it's just this fun time of year. And obviously, you know, I missed the last podcast because I've been busy with you know trying to get everything ready. Because here at last with last word, we you know we try to get on top of things before. They are announced that way. Once they hit, we can we can go. Um, so it's crazy to me that uh, that it's just you know it's good to be back. It's good to talk to the fans. We've been you know chatting a little bit, but yeah, Devils they made out well. Um, I really don't have any problems with what they got. So 
some teams may not be a fan of what they paid up. Too bad. Uh, that's the way it goes. Talk to your general manager. Uh, uh, Julian Breezewise down in Tampa for you Tampa fans. And Lou Lamorello is out on the island. So, hmm. you, know who, you know who to go after. And there you go. The, and Lou got his guy in, uh, in Andy Green. But, you know, Travis Zajac, I heard from Abby Mastraco ask the question, uh, will Zajac go now that Green yeah, is not going? And, and that's that's what that's what Fitzy said. So uh, Dan Rice just just uh, reposted the uh, Ottawa 67s over an hour ago. A close they showed the close look at Mitchell Holscher just tap the the puck in right at, right at the goalie crease. So uh, Mitch Holscher is looking very promising as a late round pick in the, I believe it was 2015 draft. So you, you got a lot of forward depth too, that you can use. So, yeah, I mean, look, and, and not to mention that, you know, Lou did try to go after the draft earlier in the year, but he didn't want to waive his no trade cause. So look, I think he's a lifer. Uh, I think he just finishes out his, his career with the devils. I think, he wants to be one of those guys that is remembered for finishing and starting his career with one team, and and, and not doing a I don't blame him. and not doing a Johnny McLean. No, I mean you know McLean, you know driver. A lot of those guys, they left for you know certain reasons. Um, you know Danico stayed. Um, you know he was there through it all. Gomez could have been one of them guys. Uh, Parisi definitely could have been one of them guys too, but you know. Again, it's part of the business. It is what it is. Um, you know, Parisi just played in his thousands game too. He's honored in Minnesota, so that's good. You know, good for him, especially for a guy that had all that injury trouble. So, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting time. I keep your eyes and ears peeled out. I honestly, I, I haven't been able to talk much about Joey Anderson, but he's been absolutely dynamite of the past several games. And you and I talk about mean potatoes, hockey and devil's fans loving that kind of style and not eating a whole lot of sexiness in a player's play, but he's most certainly living up to those Blake Coleman type of standards. And I see a little higher ceiling for Joey. I see him being that grit and jam type guy. I'm not talking about making sandwiches and stuff like that, but he certainly puts a lot of emphasis in, a bomb six players game who really wants to win it. Like he's playing for Scott Sandlin again. All right. So we need to touch on this before we close wrap things up. Something's been on my bugging me. I know there's Ray has his what's bugging Ray. Well, here's what's bugging him. These injury reports that they come out with. Right. So Shea Weber, right. He's been out for the last couple weeks. Last at least two weeks. He got injured against the Devils foot. He went to go see the doctor that he had surgery on. You know, Nick Kiprios came out and said it could be career threatening. He later apologized for it. He did it again today. The Canadians then said he was out four to six weeks. Now and and it was a high ankle sprain. Which is not funny to begin with. No. When you get but, injured there. But but it was, but it, it it wasn't a high ankle sprain. It was his foot, because if you look at the replay, he took a shot to his foot. 
the exact same spot where he broke, he had the fracture. The day after that gets announced, Cam Atkinson of, of the Blue Jackets, it was announced that he was out two to three weeks with an ankle sprain. Okay, makes sense. Now, all of a sudden, he's gone from possibly having career-ending to season-ending to being out five to six weeks to being able to play tomorrow. What the heck is going on with this injury? I don't know if it's the team medical doctors or it's over-speculation, but when I heard out for the season and I saw it on my fantasy, now I'm just thinking, why the Sam Hill did I cut Shea Weber for freaking Tony D'Angelo? I've, now I feel lied to. <laughs> but it's weird because it's like, okay, what is it? Do, do we not know? Can we just say he's out? He'll be out for a while. This is really which should be. This is what the NHL should adopt, like NFL. He's questionable. He's questionable. We need weekly reports. He's questionable. Not week to week. Not this. He's day to day with an ankle injury. That's what he really is. Because apparently he might be playing tomorrow. And who knows? I mean, if he gets injured again, the Canadians obviously need to get someone to help out. I mean, well, not in a playoff is- thing, but. Most certainly, just for the next couple months. Well, that's the thing. Like Canadians are kind of semi in it. They're kind of not in it because they've gone through streaks where they've won, they've lost, won, lost, lost. They've won. been Kovalchucking. Right, but Kovalchuk's played well. I mean, it's not like he's the problem. Like he's actually playing well for them. Right, um, and I, I think the game against Dallas and Claude Julien got fined ten grand because criticized the officials. I think absolutely should be. And I think the referee that told that told Brendan Gallagher to go, you know, f himself, uh, <laughs> probably should be fined a little bit because, as an official, you're really not supposed to tell a player to go do that. But anyway, I think the officiating was piss poor in that game. But regardless, Montreal should have won the game up three nothing. Honestly, you you brought up the whole thing with like uh, player safety and refing and stuff like that. Evander Kane. I know he's, he speaks on behalf of pretty much the whole NHL, including Dallas. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. And there is a bias with not just the Deparo player safety, but especially George Peros, who's the symptom of the problem, who gives these very biased like outcomes. Like the whole Zach Cassian thing, he should have been kicked out for the whole year, if not the whole NHL. I don't know if he should have been, no pun intended, kicked out of the league, but I think he should have gotten more than seven games. What I will say about the Department of Player Safety is I do like the video explanations. However, I would like a video explanation about why certain plays are suspended and certain plays aren't suspended because as Kane pointed out on his his Twitter account, couple of videos instantly showing the same hit that he had and there was no suspension while he got three games. Well, Kane, I hate to break this to you. You have a reputation. And once you get that reputation, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, if it's accident or not, it's going to the Department of Player Safety. Right. And it stacks up over and it time. Shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case. That, that, that it should go. It really is a case by case basis and it really shouldn't be. If you want to get these hits out of the league, every hit to the head needs to be a suspension. Or, or every adopt the double IHF rule, which is 
you hit a hit to the head is an automatic game misconduct, regardless if it was a light head, if it was a, a tap to the head or a full on elbow. It's a five minute game. It's a it's a match penalty, game misconduct, and you're out of the game. And that of and then it, it's up to subject to review. And they should honestly be playing that. Uh, that theme song, penalty song that the Canadians took from Ostrava, and they should yeah. blast it a lot louder, and then make it make people feel bad for their penalties. But honestly, I mean, honestly, I don't disagree with Kane. The only thing is, I will tell him that the outside party thing has to be collectively bargained, and that's something the players did give up in the CBA. So, um, not everybody wanted it, and. So it stayed with the league. I understand. So, but the, like as somebody said on on the hockey night broadcast, it's like when is he going to get mad when the outside party suspends him? I so I honestly you got to take you got to take responsibility for your actions as well. So here's my take on this part of that: how this would affect the NHL and the Devils. I believe if there's going to be a collaboration of that third party system, there should be thirty one non-affiliated people from different hockey leagues, especially from the SHL, Finnish League, KHL, that see it differently than, you know, putting, you know, one guy for one team as a representative. You have a bunch of 31 guys who don't belong to a team, but, you know, can collaborate and say, you know, this part wasn't right. This part is correct, you know, on that hit or this play. But they have to read the rule book and make those decisions, kind of like you know a jury. And yeah, I mean it would be nice to have, but the problem is again, you know, I think they, well, I think they've been inconsistent. I don't think <clears> they have done a terrible job. I think they could do a lot better job. I think it's the inconsistency. I think that's what a lot of people are upset about. Um, like the inconsistency, you know, calls on the ice, you know, certain players get star treatment, other players don't. Um, because I think you wouldn't have this problem, let's say, for instance, you hate to go back to this, but when Sidney Cosby chopped the guy's finger off and got no penalty for it and got no suspension for it, um, you know, I think it, it doesn't matter who you are. I think if you do something that's deemed illegal, you should have to pay a penalty for it. And, you know, certain players get away with certain things because of their name. And that's not what it should be. And it also it also comes down to, you know, the reason why Cassian's thing wasn't more than seven games was because the Tampa Bay Lightning player just brushed it off when he got kicked. It's not like he was affected. It's not like he was out of the game. So... And, you know, so injury shouldn't really play into it, but it does. And honestly, you know, things like that, you know, just need to be taken a little bit more seriously and, you know, clean up the league a little bit better. And especially if it's, you know, against the Devils or for the Devils, you know, at least it is ruled, you know, impartially and fairly. So, but before we wrap it up, I mean, uh, you, you obviously have a couple of articles posted uh, want to yes. plug those in? Yeah, so I got a couple things uh, up and running. Um, so I got the Blake Coleman trade. So 
also a bit of news shout out if you guys didn't see my Twitter, but I am an editor over at Last Word on Hockey now as well. So if you see some articles up there that aren't mine, please give them a read because I've edited them. Those um, one is the Andy Green piece. Um, one of our writers did that, stubbed it. I edited it. Perfect. Um, second, I got the Blake Coleman trades up there. Also have um, the Devils trade strategies up there as well. Looking at, you know, just give it a read. Check that out. you agree what kind of options the Devils can go with? You know, obviously they're not staying pat and doing nothing. So they're doing something. How active do you want them to be? And I'm working on, since Saturday is the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, where Team USA defeated Soviet Union in 1980 Winter Olympics, I have getting ready for an article to go up about that team, what it meant, how it's had a lasting impact, not only at the time, but to this day, talk about it all to this day on the country, because it's something that the country needed at the time. So, you know, just doing stuff like that. Plus, obviously, keep your eyes out for, you know, predictions. Obviously, Thursdays, that's my day. Maybe another day here and there. But, you know, that's what we got going. My Plus all your trades. Well, to talk about the whole miracle on ice, I believe it's paved the way for the USHL and the USNTDP, you know, to look up to those players from those recent generations. And it's really segued perfectly to – our young players generation now. So it's really helped them grow the game at the U S level. And uh, matter of fact, you have a kid in uh, Sanderson who's from Montana and not that many players come from Montana in the NHL or in the drafts. So, and there was a kid for uh, in the biosteel uh, roster for the USHL uh, team Knubel team Gomez there's a kid from the state of Georgia who grew up a big Atlanta Thrashers fan before they relocated to Winnipeg. So you got a little bit of growth in those non-traditional hockey markets in the U.S. outside the well, outside the hockey belt. So you could put that in there. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, not just 1980 because you know a lot of people, you know, like me, I was born six years later. But I've read it all. I've met the team, met everybody, heard the stories. I understand what the, they went through. I understand what the country was at, you know, what Herb was like. Like, you know, each guy has their own stories. And Aruzioni has a book out about some untold stories. Like, I've heard him, like, all these untold stories about, like, what went on. But for a lot of younger <coughs> guys, it's 96, like the World Cup, like 96 World Cup, USA beats Canada. Like, that sparked, and that sparked another generation of, young guys not to mention what the women did in 98 that's 20 right now 22 years today women won the first gold medal in olympic history women's ice hockey so that's done some things um also you can find me at the women's hockey tribune you know dropping some stuff um and then you know so and then you got world and that kind of sparked the world junior teams so usa hockey has come a long way since 1980 and you could put it on thanks to those college kids and, you know, Herbie said it best. And, and you know, watching the, the movie Miracle over and over again, as I have, and, and again, it was on today and over the weekend, he didn't want a committee to help put his team together. He wanted to put his team together. He knew what he needed to win the players he wanted to fill a role. 
that's the problem with USA Hockey right now when it comes to the Olympic setting. They want to just put the best players on instead of putting the players that make the most sense be on the team to fill <laughs> certain roles. It, it reminds me back when, you know, for basketball and baseball growing up in Western Mass, I will say this. It reminds me, you know, you have the the the, the long-distance travel team or what they call the A team, and you have the B, and you have yeah. the other one, the B team, and then you have the other one that's the in-town team. I obviously made the in-town team, but uh, the – a team was made up of kids who were very determined, very passionate in playing basketball. But, you know, that's why I need those type of evaluators uh, for Team USA Hockey to get the right players at the right time and assemble a team that resembles what the country stands for in building a winning product on the ice. Exactly. I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, you know, they, they need to – that's what they need to do. I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, the league and the uh, and the and the players have been meeting. We'll see if the Olympics are part of it. I'm not holding my breath. I wouldn't – I wouldn't hold my breath either. Um, not lose sleep over it. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, it'll be interesting to see. They want to add an international flair to the All-Star game next year, so we'll see what that is. So, yeah, lots of good things coming up on Last Word on Hockey. Uh, Women's Hockey Tribune, I'll be down in Philadelphia next weekend to cover the PWHP event uh, down there. Actually, it's in Voorhees, um, so that'll be fun. And then, you know, then we're back at it. You know, Devils, you know, got a little over a month left in the season. And trade deadline's Monday. Keep your eyes. Ears peeled to at Jim Berenger, at Les Word on Puck, uh, at Jersey Joe, OG. Jersey Devil OG, yep, you got got me right there. And, of course, I have Instagram. Jim has Instagram. He has Snapchat. Uh, We're all over the place. Oh, yeah, nightcap recaps on the Instagram and the Snapchat. Uh, If you guys – what you guys want on the nightcap recap, you let me know. We've been doing a lot of stuff about the trades, had a lot of Aussie Open coverage, some hockey, Devils, whatever you want. We'll throw it up there. You guys want shout-outs? Give out shout-outs. Don't know. But you guys let me know what you want on the Nightcap Recap. And it's just a little fun thing. Uh, Looks like the Islanders might have scored. Don't think so, though. Um, But they're losing. Clayton Keller's had that Coyotes up 1-0. But – you know, like I said, we recapped it for you. Andy Green no longer a devil. Blake Coleman no longer a devil. Nolan Green Foot, the right there. forward. Nolan Nolan Foot is the uh, Devils are on the right foot with Nolan Foot. Uh, he came back from Tampa Bay as Coleman's down with the Lightning. So that's what we got right now. It seems to be there's never a dull moment on a Sunday when it comes to the Devils, and we'll see what happens come trade deadline day to get off on the right foot everyone this has been a wonderful podcast day uh i've been waiting to do this uh especially after two trades last night on what was a super sunday uh thank you for tuning in we're on apple Podcasts. we're on stitcher we're on 
Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm. Wherever podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Pretty much every pretty much everywhere at this point. It's starting to grow, but uh we are we already hit a thousand listens in six months. Six months since August or whatever it is now. It just it's growing so fast. Yeah, we can't thank you guys enough. Um so keep your eyes and ears peeled and look out because there's gonna be a lot of fun things coming up. Uh, obviously, we'll try to hit it again Wednesday, um, and then you know it's the, it's the deadline. Well, deadline's a deadline, so uh, if you don't pass it in to get your grades graded, then uh, you likely get a fail or an incomplete. Absolutely. And if I have to grade Tommy Fitzgerald right now, he has an A plus thus far, but it's not quite done yet. No, that's why I keep I give it an A right now. He's not done yet. I mean, granted, we'll see what he gets for other players, but right now it's an A. He's done his job so far, and he's looking to keep his job. And I think that's why he got the return, what he got for Green and for Coleman. And I think he's moving his team in the right direction. I like Nazardine. Now if they could bring Stevens and Elias in, that'll be, that'll be the perfect scenario. The perfect scenario is... We will talk on Wednesday. We will be here 3 p.m. or after that. We will have Duncan Field on, and it will be interesting to touch on the recent draft class, talk about the recent trades like we did today a little bit, and then talk about 2020 more. So uh, until then, everybody, I am Jersey Joe Stanislaw, and it is this is Jim – at Jersey Jim, really, everybody knows me as Jersey Jim on Saga 960. I'm Jim Berenger. Find me at Jim Berenger on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, we can't thank you enough. We'll see you later. All right. Peace out and let's go Devils. Peace out. Let's go Devils.